You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. This is episode eight, and I am your host, Jake Mastriani. Uh, joining me, as always, is Alan Carpenter. Hello. And Fred Owens. Yachty. And guys, we are just one month away from actual baseball games being played, and, and I can't tell you how excited I am about that. January is usually the hardest month of the offseason to get through, but because of the Josh Donaldson saga that dragged on all through the offseason and a lot of other news which we're going to get into later, it's you know it really feels like we're not that far away, and February is almost here, and that's when things really start to get excited. And I, I also watch a lot of college baseball games, and that's less than three weeks away. So soon we'll have a lot of baseball to watch and can start watching some of the prospects for the for the upcoming draft. And uh, usually this is the time of the year when I start pulling out some of my, my favorite baseball movies. And this could probably be a podcast in itself, but what's your, what's your favorite or go-to uh, baseball movie, Alan? Ooh, probably... Uh... Field of Dreams is there. So is Bull Durham. Yeah, okay. Bull Durham is probably right there as well because it sort of feels more like real baseball. Field of Dreams, they took a obviously a few liberties, but uh, it was still a fun story. Yeah, Brad, which one you you putting in there? I like A League of Their Own. I've always liked that. Uh, and maybe because it was the story of people who really wanted to play baseball. I like Bull Durham too. You can't, you can't not like Boulder Home, I don't think, but those two are probably the, my, my favorites. Uh, some of the other stuff, I, I never, never watched, never liked the natural very much. Uh, and I watch Sandlot now and then. So. Yeah. Field of Dreams is, is my go-to all-time favorite. Um, and I'm probably going to get killed for this, but Fever Pitch is one of my favorite baseball movies. And uh, you're probably not going to hear that a lot, but I don't know why. I love that movie. It gets me excited about baseball. But like I said, we're just a month away from from actual baseball games taking place and being able to talk about the Braves actually being on the field. Hey, you know what? I'm going to interject here because there's a topic where we're not going to discuss that I would like to discuss. Okay. That has to do with spring training specifically. They are going to experiment with the RoboUp system in spring training, and I think that's a terrible idea. Reason I think so is because here you got an electronic strike zone that's going to probably overemphasize curveballs, maybe de-emphasize the corners, de-emphasize the outside pitches that where pitchers really want to be, and you're going to have pitchers and hitters both learning a strike zone that's not going to exist in the regular season. Their spring training is designed for pitchers and catchers to get comfortable with their craft, their mechanics. And, you know, the feel of the game again, and you're going to give them a different strike zone there than in in Florida and Arizona, than you're going to get in the regular season. I think that's going to mess up people for a while. I can't know if it's going to be used in all of the spring training games. Yeah, that's what I wasn't clear on either. But and if there's a time limit, if they were using it for maybe just a couple of three weeks, maybe out of the five or six that spring actually lasts, that would make more sense that that I would be okay with. But the problem that everybody's been having is that you've got pitchers who like to expand the zone a little bit and, and kind of work the corners that may not be possible under the, the new thing. And I'm not sure how you break people in with that, unless you're just going to go ahead and use it for the whole season. Clearly that's not the plan, but the idea of doing it both ways, trying it, experimenting with it, and then dumping it for the regular season Sounds almost like a worse idea than if they were to do it for the whole year. So I have a hunch that this has the potential to mess up either pitchers, hitters, or both for quite a while getting into the regular season if they use it for the entirety of spring. Yeah, and Fred, I'm, I'm really hoping they don't use it for the entirety of spring. I'm okay if they want to try it because I think we're going to get to robot umps eventually. Um, but what are your thoughts on them using it during spring training? 
Well, I don't think it's an awful idea if it is at the start of spring training because the major league pitchers, they're only going to do a couple of innings and then they're out of there. By the time, by the end of spring training, when they're doing two and three and working up to five innings, then it's an issue. Minor leagues are going to have it this year anyway. Uh, and so if you're going to use it in spring training and you're just going to do it for the first two weeks, then I'm fine with it. If you run it deeper than that, as Alan said, it's going to mess up the pitchers in the major leagues who have to use that anyway. The other question comes up, so, okay, well, if you're using it in the minor leagues and that minor league pitcher gets called up, how does that going to affect him there? This whole, this whole thing has been badly orchestrated from the commissioner's office to start with, and I, I'm not really against it, but I think that there has to be a better way. Yeah, certainly, and like I said, I think we're going that direction, and I, I don't know if it's just that I'd notice it more now, but it seemed like umpires behind the plate were worse than ever last year, and it's really pushed me into wanting the robot umpire, uh, but they got to get the technology figured out and got to get it better because the reports I've seen – and the tests that they've done in other leagues, it's it's not looking too good. So I'm interested to see what it's going to look like. And uh, like I said, I, I'm not upset that they're going to be using it in spring training as long as, like we talked about, they use it maybe in the first couple of weeks or uh, maybe just in a couple of games here and there uh, just for the get the feel of it and how it's going to work. So that'll be interesting to watch. And again, we're just a, a month away from from seeing those games. So uh, either way, even if there's a robot up there, I'm excited just to get some baseball action. So looking forward to that. But uh, we have a, lot, a ton of news uh, to get to. Uh, we didn't do a podcast last week, uh, but we did post one earlier this week. I had a conversation with uh, Dan Zimborski from Fangraphs talking about Zips projections for the Braves in 2020. So if you haven't had a chance, please uh, make sure that you go out, go and check out that interview uh, that I did with Dan. Some really uh, insightful stuff there talking about projections then two podcasts ago we we did a uh, emergency uh, podcast after josh donaldson signed uh, with the twins so if you want to hear our thoughts on that uh, make sure that you go back and listen to that podcast as well Uh, but we have had some recent information that has come out since then mostly uh, with alex anthopoulos uh, making the interview rounds here recently and kind of commenting on the the josh donaldson situation and uh, how those negotiate negotiations went. And I know recently he's done a couple of, of uh, radio interviews and did a interview with uh, Mad Dog. So uh, we wanted to get some thoughts on that and some news bits that we got uh, from those conversations. So Fred, I'll start with you. I know you've had a chance to, to listen to that interview. Uh, what were some of your thoughts on the things that Antopoulos said? I was surprised by the amount of detail he gave. Usually when you hear these GMs out, well, you know, we sort of came together and we had this deal. We've been talking to him off and on. It just sort of came together. He agreed he was right for us. We agreed he was right for him, blah, blah, blah. But today, Russo asked questions that people normally get spun away from. Was it too much money or too many years? It was too much money. Did you have Ozuna ready and primed in case this wouldn't? Well, we've been talking to everybody since the end of the season. We had talked to Ozuna. Uh, we talked to some others. We thought Ozuna was undervalued, but we told everybody it's Josh first and everything everybody else waits. And that was sort of surprising in the way he said that because I just didn't think that was quite kosher to put a team on hold for one man, but it worked for him, I guess. And that's what he wanted to do it. it but what I was impressed with was the, he was absolutely firm in everything he said. He absolutely believed everything he said. Uh, it absolutely killed him not to get Donaldson back but he walked away from him anyway because they felt they had agreed the money was too high. So Russo's interview is on MLB. I've got a post going up in the morning about it, and I think that it's it's one of the better GM interviews I've ever heard because most of them don't say anything, and then they say goodbye, and everybody's scratching their head. But when he answered the question about money and hours, Russo sat up in his chair and said, well, I, I, you've given me something there. I didn't know that. That's the kind of interview I like to see. GM's being honest with them, even if we don't want to hear it. Yeah, and I didn't hear that exact interview. I heard a, another one that Alan sent to me, and I apologize, I forget which radio show it was, but he was uh, very forthcoming in that interview as well, and I was surprised at the, the level of detail that he went into, and like you said, it it almost seemed like it, it hurt him that they didn't get Donaldson. He, he really wanted it, but uh, you know he kind of stuck to his guns and what they were willing to go, and he went as high as you know they wanted to, and 
the twins just beat their offer and it was enough of a difference that, you know, Josh couldn't turn it down. So like I said, very insightful stuff there. Alan, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to either one of those interviews, uh, but what were your thoughts if you have? I I have scanned one of them and I want to go in a different direction though. It seemed that when I've heard Josh Donaldson speak, that there was some remorse on his part that he had left the Braves. It's almost seemed between the two of these guys, it's like, guys, you need to get in the room together and realize that you love each other and let's let's tie the knot, uh, figuratively speaking. The idea that they wanted to make a deal and could not get a deal is unfortunate. It's unfortunate for the Braves in, in terms of the season, of course, and the fact that it's essentially forcing them now to go in other directions that they did not plan to do or, or want to do. But it, it's seldom that you see this kind of level of detail yes and it's also seldom that you see this kind of really emotion that you could see on both sides that both wanted to be in a deal together and just could not get it done and it's a matter of in this case the Braves not willing to go the extra dollars the extra commitment they seem we we've heard that they are adverse the Braves management now to having dead money on the books. And while they may or may not have, in in the case of Donaldson here and those out years, the third, fourth year or so, it seemed that that was their fear, perhaps. Yeah, we're we're hearing that it's more the dollars and the years, but it, it, it really has to be kind of both because that's part of the equation that, that's at work here. And... I, I guess it's just a matter of the idea that shorter the better. This explains Cole Hamill's one-year deal. This explains uh, Marcelo Zuna's one-year deal. There's a lot of flexibility. I hate getting into that financial flexibility phrase again, but there's a lot of flexibility that you're going to see that the team is going to be able to have as a result of having these short-term deals. So I guess that's it as much as anything else, but the fact that they couldn't get it together is is a little frustrating. Yeah, I, if I can say what the, 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 he said that Donaldson really, really wanted to be there. He wanted to be back. It hurt him not to come. So that tells me one thing: it's more than ten million dollars, guys. Yes. Okay. Because the Bra- if the even if the Braves were going ninety-two million, he'd have been there. Okay. Eight million dollars isn't isn't a lot. It's chump change, really, at that level. It's more than $10 million, and I really think that he's called him and said, look, I just can't do that, and I just don't see it that way for the way the team has to go in the future with the commitments I see down the road. And, Josh, I want you. You can have five years. You can have six years, but it's going to be this amount of money because that's what we have. And- yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if it was 80 or 84 that they were offering there, but I got to believe that it wasn't any more than 84 and 84 might be the right number because the twins then added that fifth year option thing that boosted the guarantee to 92 and with also the possibility to get it to a hundred. So you were up in the neighborhood of 20, 25% of a difference there. And that's just too hard to ignore. Yeah. And he did, it, it, it was, it was a case to both of them wanted to be there but there just wasn't a way to get there from here. Uh, and I believe him when he said it's not the years. We didn't care about the years. I think Donaldson's going to hit till he's 40. I don't think it's a problem, but uh, he just couldn't get there for the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's really, I mean, it, it's sad because I, I think we all wanted Donaldson and would have loved to have him back in the clubhouse because I think he was a real uh, big part of that clubhouse and the dynamic that they had. But again, I mean, Antopoulos had a, had a number in mind. He wasn't going to go beyond it. Uh, Minnesota made a made a convincing offer and one that Donaldson couldn't refuse. So uh, some really good stuff from that. Uh, another thing that caught my attention in the interview that I listened to is, you know, he didn't seem real confident or committed about Riley and Camargo. It was more so talks of, you know, hope. You know, we hope they progress. It, you know, we hope that they've gotten better during the offseason and will produce next year. Uh, but he didn't sound too confident in that. And he also, another thing that he said is, you know, he's never considered a prospect untouchable in trade talks. He, he said the only player that he's ever said that about is Ronald Acuna uh, when he took over and, and for good reason. Uh, and I thought it was kind of telling that he said that. And I hope he meant it because, you know, we did our prospect rankings a couple of weeks ago we talked about it on the podcast and you know i said then there's not anybody 
currently in the Braves system that that I wouldn't trade. I mean, you know, that's no disrespect to him. I just don't think there's that untouchable prospect in the system like Ronald. And any thoughts on on that? It's a second time or at least maybe a third that I've heard him say that. So I got to believe that he's telling everybody that as well and, and does believe it. Yeah. But he also says that he's, you know, he hasn't made any trades this winter. So <laughs> yeah, clearly he uh, is valuing the prospects. And, and he's and, never really traded a, any top prospects since he's been there. So that's why I'm kind of hesitant yeah. to believe that. But well, I mean, he wants impact for impact, and that's the thing that he's not getting back so far, at least. At the same time, I got to think that's got to happen here in the next couple weeks or month or so to help clean out some of the uh, guys that are going to get blocked otherwise, because I think that we've certainly got a few of those and, and need to have a, a couple of these guys traded, really. One of the things I heard in, in the interview that I wrote about, and I put it in my in the post was he said uh, when they were talking about LMC and I'm going to get this up here when he said, I've had all the resources I've ever needed. Our payroll continues to increase. We had the ability if we wanted to do the deal to do the uh, with Josh to do that. We certainly could have done that or with any other high dollar free agent we wanted. Then where's Garrett Cole at? Well, (laughs) Garrett Cole was going to the Yankees. Uh, but the implication there, he said, I've always had the resources I need. We could have done anything we decided was a good baseball deal. And we could have done the deal for Rendon. We could have done the deal for anybody out there. But we chose not to because we didn't think it fit the current and future direction of the club the way we wanted them to go. That may not be everything, but he sure came out and said, look, I could have spent the money. I could have had Josh here but it wasn't what we decided was the best deal. Well, when you look at it around his, his lineup down, the roster, the 40-man uh, overall, he's got a lot of depth built in. He's got a lot of options in terms of prospects. He has a lot of options in terms of the veterans he's brought in. There's a lot of directions he can go now, and that's another reason why I think there's, there's a big trade that may be happening here is because he's got all those resources basically staged and now he's got to be able to use them. And it could be for something high dollar. It could be for something high impact. Well, it'd be both if it's high dollar. But I do think that the uh, the options are there. And yes, he could use the prospects for that. Yes, he could use the dollars for that. I, I don't think he's done. Yeah, and we talked about the one-year deals a minute ago. And, you know, you wonder if that's going to be a pattern for him, you know, continuing to, to do that and valuing those deals so that use the word flexibility again, he continues to have that flexibility every off season. And I know we're going to get into it a little more later, but you know, he's going to have almost 60 million coming off the books after this season. And that's going to give him a, a ton of room to, to operate again next off season. So, you know, you have to wonder if that's kind of what he is looking for, the type of deals that he's looking for um, going forward and to make good baseball moves like Fred talked about. And, you know, you talked about not having dead money earlier. You know, we've heard that thrown or thrown around. He's trying to avoid those contracts with, with dead money. And that's certainly one way to do that because not such a thing as a bad one-year deal because it doesn't work out, then it's it's a one-year mistake and you can move on from it. You know, a lot of interesting takeaways there from, from Antopolis and was glad to see him be a little more open with it. I'm uh, hesitant to believe everything that he said there but you know it was was good to hear him come out and say those things and be kind of candid about it we did have a lot of things happen over the past week you know we knew once donaldson signed things would pick pick up and you know, it makes even more sense after hearing Antopolis in that, that interview saying that they had told free agents they were um, on hold until Donaldson made a decision. Uh, but since then, you know, the Braves have made several moves and we'll get into the Marcelo Zuna signing a little bit later. There's a couple of other um, signings I wanted to talk about first. And one of those is Adani Hetchveria. And I know myself and others have been saying for a while that this one just made too much sense not to happen. And so it finally does. They bring him back on a $1 million deal. And to me, ever since they 
uh, non-tendered Culberson, and the reason for it was because they said they wanted a a true shortstop to back up Dansby. You know, this seemed, you know, the writing seemed to be on the wall from from this one from the beginning. So, Fred, you feel the same way with with Hedge coming back? Yeah, I always thought Hedge was coming back if he didn't get a full time job. You know, you when you're as talented as he is, and there's so many teams out there that could really use a good glove for a shortstop, then he he becomes especially with the deal, uh, the way he played for us at the end of the year, that really moves him up the list for players. Unfortunately for Hetch, his bat has been erratic. And when he didn't get a full-time offer, a starting offer, he was going to come back to the Braves. He was probably told, hey, look, go see if you can get your job. If you get a job, more power to you. We love it. We want you to be successful. Um, but if you don't have a job, we'll, we're going to talk to you in January. And uh, I'm glad he's back because he can play anywhere on the infield. And he's got a bat when he hits balls hard. He plays hard. He's a big, happy guy. He may, He's a positive influence around everybody else. And you can't have enough of those guys out there who are willing to smile when everything looks bad and who are going to come up big for you and, and going to be there when you need them. I'm glad to have him back. Yeah, and I can't wait to see some more epic bat flips from him uh, and seeing the, the StatCast videos that come out from that. Uh, but anybody expecting him to hit 328 again like he did for the Braves last year need to to calm those expectations a little bit. He That's not the type of type of hitter that he is, like Fred said. He's a, a glove first shortstop, uh, but he, he'll be a solid backup and can contribute anywhere on the infield. Alan, do you, you think this is a good move bringing him back? Absolutely. I don't have any problems with this at all. And I think uh, Fred outlined exactly what probably happened is that he took a look around, surveyed the the landscape and decided that he liked the Braves, liked the clubhouse, liked the atmosphere, liked the idea that he had a chance to succeed. And hey, if anything happens, he's right there ready to to go. And I I think that's uh, an excellent pickup for them as part of a very strong bench. It looks like it's going to have a lot of depth to it. Yeah, no, I love I love the move as well. A lot for what you both said. I, I think he was great in the clubhouse last year. And as we talked about with Donaldson leaving, I think that takes a lot of fire out of the clubhouse. So as many of those guys as you can bring back, you know, the better. And I think he'll be a huge boost uh, in the clubhouse for those guys. And another move that the Braves made recently is they brought in uh, Felix Hernandez on a, a minor league deal, invite to, to spring training, and he'll be in there battling for the, the Spitz fifth spot in the the starting rotation during spring training and actually put out a poll on Twitter after the signing uh, asking people if they thought he would pitch more than 50 innings with the Braves less than 50 innings or he wouldn't throw a single pitch for the Atlanta Braves this year and it was it was pretty split Um, it really didn't didn't tell me much because 36 percent said less than 50 innings 34 percent said more than 50 innings and 30 percent said zero so Alan what do you think of the signing and what do you think the chances are Felix uh, pitches for the Atlanta Braves this year. Boy, this is an interesting one. He's still just 33 years old, and obviously he's got the pedigree and the track record. He's just fallen into hard times in the last three or four years, well, a couple of years, really. And he needs to go find himself, reinvent himself perhaps, get healthy completely, and and get himself uh, straightened out. And honestly, I think that it's interesting that he – tried this with Atlanta because he's not guaranteed anything. He's guaranteed an opportunity, I guess, but he's, he's not guaranteed a, a slot. He could have probably had that with several other teams, I would imagine, but he's trying to do this. Uh, Fred said, I think, bet on himself uh, at one point, and, and I want to find out what he can do, what he's still got left in the tank, because he's... Um, yeah, obviously got a lot of innings under his belt already, a lot of history, got a perfect game for crying out loud. And he's he had been the face of the franchise of in Seattle for a number of years. Whether he can reclaim that is is an interesting question, but he's still got some youth on his side and I I'm glad to see the pickup. I'm just not sure how in the world he's going to work out. And it's honestly anybody's guess as to how many innings he might end up getting. Because as we've talked about, the 40-man roster is full right now. He's going to have to actually not just win the job, but he's going to have to bump somebody. And that's sort of a tall order. Every year it seems like there's some major league guy who is trying to make a comeback that, that is filling this role. This year it's King Felix. I'll be curious to see how it works. 
Well, Anibal Sanchez is the one that everybody talks about that, you know, the Braves brought him in a couple of years ago on a minor league deal. And um, he uh, did what he did with the ERA under three for the Braves and then got a big deal for the Nationals. I, I don't think that's comparable with Felix here. I'm not expecting that type of bounce back. I think a lot of people forget that Felix broke in when he was 19 years old. He's been at this for a long time and his innings went up real quick. He was throwing 191 innings as a 20 year old, uh, then went to 190 and then was up to 200 innings by age 22 season uh, and threw a, a career best or career high 249.2 innings as a 24 year old. So he's got a lot of, a lot of mileage on that arm and, um, you know, getting getting old, he's going to have to try to figure out how to to pitch a little differently with the the stuff declining. His fastballs are high 80s, low 90s now. It's it's dropped about seven miles per hour from when he first broke in. So, you know, obviously declining there. But you know, I, I still like the signing. I think even if he doesn't make the team, I think he's going to have a good influence on the guys in spring training. So, Fred, what were your thoughts on on the Braves picking up King Felix? Well, you know, I I agree with you. I don't. I think Felix. There's only so many bullets in the gun, all right? You you can only throw that pitch so many times, and he's been throwing it a long time. Everybody, well, he's only 33. That's true. But he has more innings on his arm than most 35, 36-year. I don't think Hamels has as many innings as Felix has. He, Felix starts. He went deep in games. He's always gone deep in games. He's never come out early. He's never been a five-and-dive guy. I think the arm's worn out. And as much as I would love for Felix to have one last fling and come out and be uh, Freddie Garcia uh, or uh, Annabelle Sanchez, the difference is Annabelle Sanchez looked out and said, I can't throw a fastball anymore. Watch this. Felix is still trying to throw the hard stuff, and he never learned to put the put the soft stuff where it wanted. He, there's no differentiation between his pitches. And I don't think he's going to make it. I think he's going to get cut. Uh, I just don't think that unless, yeah. he's got he's got to have an opt out before the end of spring training if he doesn't make the roster. And I think he'll if he doesn't he'll have one in June because all twenty B free agents have that. So I don't think he'll do it. He probably he could pitch for Baltimore because Baltimore doesn't have anybody they can pitch. <laughs> but I don't think he wants to go somewhere and get shelled. I think he wants to see if he can do it. And if he can't do it, he'll probably retire. But if he can do it, he wants to pitch, and I I just don't think it's going to be in Atlanta. And he does have about 36 innings or so more than Cole Hamels. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I, I, I I looked that up some reason somewhere along the line. You know, I love Felix. I love the story. Uh, I what, yeah. what I wanted to do is I want you to walk away before you make a fool of yourself. I don't want to see him out there getting shelled 48 to 2 or something. I just... I want to see good players go away with a because look what happened to Andrew when he left. Okay, if Andrew had just quit when he was 31 years old, he'd be in the Hall of Fame now, but he didn't. And everybody says, "Well, you know, he wasn't any good after 30." Yes, but he played for 19. If he came up with 25 and played to 35, would you have said that? Uh, and Felix pitched for a long time, and he pitched well for a long time. And I just feel it's a shame for a player with all that talent not to know when to quit. Now, I know it's hard. I, I know it's impossible to take. Uh, you, they had to kick me out of the Air Force to go away because I couldn't have the uniform while I'm too old. <laughs> but, and that's the, way he, that's the way he feels about the, about baseball. But at some point, you're going to say, man, I'd really like to have me feel good about myself when I quit. So, Yeah. No, I, I like the sign. Like I said, I, I think if anything, he'll be you know a good influence for the young pitchers during spring training. And I'll definitely be be rooting for the guy. I mean, how how fun would it be to see the, the Kings court in Atlanta and uh, have Felix pitching for the Braves, you know, somebody that I've loved watching for a long time. Uh, you know, I think it would be really neat, but I also think the chances of that happening are, are very slim, um, but we'll see. Uh, that'll definitely be a fun one to watch uh, during spring training. Um, so let's get to uh, the big news of the past week. And that's, uh, the Braves signing Marcel Ozuna to a one-year deal uh, worth $18 million. I know we've talked about Ozuna on here before. I've never been a huge fan of his, um, but it's hard to be mad at that contract. You know, mostly I wasn't a fan of his because I didn't want a four-year deal and uh, north of $50 million, uh, for him. Uh, but it's really, really hard to be upset with a, a one-year deal for $18 million, uh, kind of a just similar to the Josh Donaldson situation last year 
Uh, Zuna's going to come in here for one year and try to prove himself and then hit the free agent market again next year without that qualifying offer attached to him and, and hopefully cash in. So, uh, Fred, I'll, I'll go back to you. What were your thoughts on the Ozuna signing? Well, I've never been a fan of Ozuna's glove. His arm, he's had shoulder issues uh, with his throwing arm that affected his swing as well as his throw. And like you, I didn't want him for multiple years because I don't think he's going to age well. At the same time, no such thing, no, no such thing as a bad one-year contract. And Ozuna's peripherals indicate he should have he should have had like an 800 and 850 uh, OPS plus last year, but he just didn't get the ball in the right places. Exit velocity is high. It ranks like number 21 or 22 in uh, in the season. He's uh, his uh, XBA is. His ex batting his batting average is 128, but his on base is ex, ex on base is 25. He's number 25 in baseball, and his uh, ex slug is one 129 in baseball. And we're talking uh, oh a few hundred people. So that's that's uh, I think he's and he wants to play. If he's healthy and he wants to play, and he's on a one year deal to to earn his big money, I think you'll be fine. Three year deal, I wouldn't have given him a three year deal, but one year deal, I'm I'm fine with that. Now we got to find him somebody that's hitting the five hole behind him. Yeah. Now, and just your thoughts as as well on those Una signings. Were you shocked to to kind of see that being a one year deal? Well, I was surprised that he got him on a one year deal. That's that's for sure. Because it all along this off season, we've been hearing four years, five years for him. Same thing for Nick Castellanos, that kind of thing. And the notion that we got him on that kind of contract suggests that the market is not there in terms of the dollars for either of those guys, either Castellanos or, or Ozuna. And clearly there was, were the two big bats that were available still that uh, we had to choose from after losing Donaldson. The thing that I'm curious about is, is he going to be healthy? The The exciting part of this is that he had an 800 OPS last year when he wasn't really healthy. And the idea that uh, he could be there to to hit that well, I mean, he had 29 homers in a fairly short season. He only had 485 at-bats. Uh, that's nowhere near the 600, 700 that uh, full-time guys are, are supposed to get. Yeah, granted, everybody had a lot of homers last year, but he had that kind of uh, season with only a partial season. So he's certainly getting his, his stroke uh, there. Now let's see if he can do it fully healthy, and and hopefully he is. Uh, I presume that they looked at all the uh, prerequisite things for his physical, and that tells me that they're willing to to give him eighteen million uh, based on what they saw. So I'm I'm kind of in nervous anticipation here. I haven't been a big fan, but at the same time, I'm looking back to years like 2017 where he was a beast out there for Miami. I mean, in this outfield that had Yelich and Stanton and himself, he was hitting fourth behind those two guys. Drove in 124 runs. So we know he's got the capability, and that's not exactly a ballpark that's con- in Miami that's conducive to a lot of home runs and a lot of hitting. So he's got the capability. If he's uh, healthy, then by golly, that's, this could be a coup. Yeah, no, I like I said, I've never really loved the Ozuna signing because of his defense, and he just kind of seems like a, a Justin Upton clone to me, which you know isn't a terrible thing. Upton was a, a good player at times, but um you know just see seeing him out in the left field and he's not nearly as bad on defense as, as, as Justin Upton is I, I probably shouldn't have made that that reference there but he just he gives me that same kind of vibe uh, out there uh, but everybody looks at that 2017 season and they're hoping he's going to repeat that and maybe he does but I think at the very le- least he's going to give you a, a 2.5 you know war season which is still really good and and you'll take that out in, in left field uh, with the rest of the lineup and like you mentioned, Alan hitting, you know, hitting behind Freddie Freeman and Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna, he's going to have plenty of opportunities to to drive in runs. So I I think he'll he'll see those numbers be even better uh, this year. You know, you know what he's going to give you. He's going to hit, you know, 250, 260 with 25 to 30 home runs and 80 to 90 RBIs, and that's you know that's really what you need. Um, you know, he's not going to replace Donaldson by any means. He's not going to be that type of player, but he is going to be a, a good cleanup hitter and a solid bat there. 
Yeah, and I, I don't mean to suggest that he's going to be like what he was in 2017 either. Uh, that's probably his absolute ceiling, sure. And that, was, that came when he was 26, he's now 29. The hope is that he can do something a little bit north of 800 on the OPS, and that'll be sufficient because that'll knock in a lot of runs. That'll have the opportunity to scare some pitchers, and that's exactly what we need here. Yep. Ballpark so, should be friendly to him as well. SunTrust should be friendly. It should be a ballpark he likes to hit in. I read something on, I believe it was Baseball Prospectus, that his bat's going to like the ballpark there a lot better than he liked the one in St. Louis. And that might just make up for, you know, they're supposed to be dejuicing the ball. Maybe if they did juice it, he's still going to hit it out. He's a big, strong guy. He was hitting most things with one arm last year. So, yeah, I think he's going to hit. Um, he's better than Justin Upton because Justin Upton could air condition Atlanta. Uh, but uh, and Ozuna's going to strike out his 100, 120, 125 times, but he's not going to hit 150 or 160, or at least I don't think he will. So if if that's the case, if he's putting bat on ball and hitting it hard, uh, he's going to find some grass out there. Yeah, going back to the defense, and we were kind of talking this before we got started here. I, I think that's a big reason and why it would be a mistake to to trade Ender. I, I think having Ender in center helps having Ozuna in left and kind of. I can make up for whatever deficiencies that he may bring on defense. But uh, that kind of brings us to our, our last topic that we were going to talk about. And that's, you know, are the, are the Braves done now? Do you, you know, do you think they're going to make any other moves or is Antopolis done for the off season? first on this one uh, do you think the Braves are done making moves or big moves this offseason I still think that the way things are set up with all this depth and all these prospects hanging around in AAA that things are primed for a big trade he may not need it he may not do it he may wait till this the summer anything like that is possible this team is complete as it is and that gives Anthopolis the luxury of not having to make a deal. He can choose to make a deal instead. And that's the best position to be in, but it also means that things may not happen. I would love to see it because I like being greedy in this case. I like to have not just a team that can compete and, and be projected to beat the rest of the rivals in the NL East, but I want to be able to make sure that we can do that. In terms of dollars, he's essentially pot committed. He's spent a lot more than any Braves general manager has in any offseason before a, a season began. The payroll is the highest it's ever been. I, I think you don't do that unless you intend to finish the job. I hope he hasn't figured out that he's finished it yet. I have some ideas, <laughs> but I uh, want to see if, if he wants to follow through with that. Yeah, and you know, I've, I've been saying all offseason anyway that I didn't think Donaldson was enough. I, you know, we've talked about it before on the podcast. I thought they needed to do Donaldson and, so I certainly believe they need to do Ozuna. And uh, the question is whether or not that happens in the off season or, or if he waits during the season. And uh, I said, after the Ozuna signing, I, I think he's done for now. I think with Ozuna on board that the Braves are probably the favorites in the East as it stands. Uh, but I still think they're a move short, whether that's a big bat or a frontline pitcher away from taking that next step and being, you know, maybe World Series favorites or at least in, in National League favorites. So I still think there's more to be done. And like I also tweeted out after the signing, you know, by doing this, by signing Ozuna and getting him on a one-year deal, it it leaves the the door open for Antopolis to make a trade because you still have all the prospects to trade from. So I do think that there, like you said, Alan, I think there's still plenty of room there for something else to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen the rest of this offseason. I think he's done until opening day, and I think he's going to wait and see how things play out because this team, to me, while the offense may be not as good as it was last year, I think the pitching is better. The bullpen is certainly better going into the season. So I think this team's more prepared from the get-go this season than it was last season to – uh, to compete and contend right away. 
So in that regard, I think Antopolis has a little breathing room to kind of wait and see how things shake out. Maybe Riley um, gets hot and figures things out. And so you got third base figured out. Um, you know, maybe Swanson hits like he did at the beginning of last year and shows what, what he can do. So I think he has time there to to kind of let things develop before making another move. But I do think at some point he's going to have to trade from this prospect capital in order to to make one more big move to put the team over the top. Uh, Fred, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, I think he's going to make a move. But I again, I keep going back to him saying you don't have to win the winter. You just have to get to the deadline. And if he's comfortable with giving Riley and Camargo a shot. Uh, the way he said it in the interview today was, we all believe that Riley's going to be a great player. We just don't know when. And that's, the, that's been, the, that's been the, uh, the question all along. If Riley comes through, they're fine. If he doesn't and Camargo doesn't, then they have a real problem. And that's hard to fix during the season because in the season, it's typically very hard to get position players that aren't good. Having said that, I think he's going to go to the deadline uh, I think it's going to be a pitcher maybe, uh, and he'll wait because he'll wait to see how everybody comes and who's around and who's available. Right now, a, it, you're, you should trade for somebody now. It's somebody that uh, the other team is, can't afford, uh, and I looked around, and I don't think there's anybody out there other than the fellow in Colorado uh, that I particularly would open, open my checkbook for. Uh, I believe that could be done. I, I think it's actually a crime not to do it, but that's another story. And, and I, you know, this, like I said, this team is, is poised right now. And if Riley comes to camp and he's Riley from in his every other year cycle of being good, not too good when they get promoted, hey, I figured it out. And he does that again next year, this year, and he comes out and he hits two dozen homers and bats 250, 260, everybody will be happy. If he doesn't, uh, we rely on Camargo. And he comes out and he hits 250 and 10 homers. We're not going to be happy. Uh, so it's going to be a question of who finds their feet in spring training and holds on to the job. Uh, but I don't think there's, unless there's something really cooking that we don't know about. Now the comment about I can do anything I want to do really guys, I have the money. Uh, but he did say he wasn't going to hit $200 million. So short of that i i think he can do it It, and it's a question of who and where you would go um i wouldn't do it for bryant i would do it for arenado but other than those two i don't know anybody i'd run out there and spend money on right now i think we go in and see how it lasts and and then get to the break yeah see i'm the opposite there and and i know i'm probably in the minority in this group but i'd i'd target bryant you know not knowing obviously not knowing what the package is and exactly what the cubs want but you know i'd go over go after bryant I, i like his bat and i like just having the two years, you know, I'm a little hesitant on Arenado for that long and for that much money. And we were just talking about earlier how the Braves don't want any dead money. And I feel like at some point that's going to become dead money. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong there. But but Brian is the only other player out there that I would target. Obviously, I wouldn't be upset if they, they went after Arenado. But uh, I would actually prefer Brian. And Alan, I know I know who you prefer if you want to go, go go down that road. <laughs> Well, I, I might as well go ahead and come up with my conspiracy theory to do this now. And honestly, this is going to be long and and involved, but it always is when you're talking about a superstar. I have actually been generally against the idea of getting Nolan Arenado. And that's because I'm still concerned. I know Fred isn't, but I'm concerned that even though he's a hitter, that he won't have the kind of impact that he has at altitude that he would have at 1,000 feet in, in Atlanta. Let's set that aside for a minute because we now have Marcelo Zuna who's going to provide most of the impact that we need. Even if Arenado is only able to do an 800 OPS, let's say, in Atlanta, that would be sufficient to to consider adding, especially given his defense. He is the best third baseman defensively in the majors with a possible exception of Chapman and Oakland. So in terms of defense, he's already there. In terms of offense, he's pretty darn close, and you could probably ignore the difference if you actually got him in Atlanta. Now the question is, how the heck do you get him into Atlanta? There's a special situation going on in Denver right now. We have an internal family feud, and I think it is possible to take advantage of such a thing. You've got Arenado, who does not want to be there. You've got the general manager, British, in in Colorado, who 
doesn't seem to want him there much longer, which is kind of weird. Despite all the pronouncements, this thing has boiled over and become public in the last week, and I think that there's an opportunity to get him moved. British has said that he does not want to trade the guy unless he can upgrade his major league team this year to make it, make it better. Well, I think we can help there. The surplus guys that the Braves would have would be Adam Duvall, who should hit a ton in Coors Field. The fact that he can hit left-handed pitching is actually important because there's a lot of left-handed pitching available in the AL, in the NL West that, that he can go after that we don't have in the NL East. So he would be better there, not even counting the altitude. Go ahead and send him Johan Camargo so they have somebody to play third base. Send him in, Ender Enciarte so they have a guy who's really sure-handed and can roam the, the huge center field out in Denver. Now also send him Shane Green so they have a relief arm in the bullpen that they can rely upon. All those guys would be instant help for them for their 2020 squad. Also go ahead and throw in a premium pitching prospect so that it'll whet the appetite of the fans. Whether it's Ian Anderson, Kyle Wright, somebody like that, whatever. I don't care. Send him, send him one of those guys too. Now, in the process of those guys that I named, where that sends $15 million worth of payroll from the Braves to the Rockies. Remember that number, because Arenado gets $35 million. If we're sending that much, I'd also ask for one check for $15 million for this year. Now, uh, between the $15 million in transferred payroll and the $15 million check, you've effectively made Arenado cost only $5 million for this year. And you say, well, great, yeah, but that's one year. you got to pay the guy $35 million for the next three or four years after that. Okay, good. All these one-year contracts, let's add them up. Melanson has one year to go, $14 million. Ozuna, one year to go, $18 million. Cole Hamels, one year to go, $18 million. Mark Hakus, one year to go, $4 million. And don't forget, we shipped Shane Green over at $6 million. We shipped Enziarte over at $7 million. Duvall at $3 million. You don't have to pay those guys anymore, so that's an extra $15 million off the intended payroll before it anyhow. So when you add all that up, the expiring contracts, the guys you've traded, you've actually effectively reduced the payroll for the Braves by $75 million. That easily covers a $35 million expenditure for Nolan Arenado. Now what do you get? You get the guy who's the best third baseman defensively who signed through 2025. You get uh, Acuna, who signed through 2027 or 28, depending on the options. You've got Albies, who signed through 2026 or 27, depending on the options. you got Freddie Freeman, who's only signed through 2021, but he's already declared he wants to be there forever. You have a core of high performers that you can build around for the next five, six, seven years. That's not a bad team to put together, and you know, you fill up the rest with your graduating prospects. Keep right that keeps Riley in that scenario. You you've got a lot of things going on that I think that that can happen, and Colorado might actually accept that kind of a deal because it helps them. It gets their public relations problem solved, and it'll effectively reduce their payroll as well as give them some guys to grow for the future. I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, certainly a lot to take in, but I, you know, and it's it's a complicated possible. deal. There's no doubt about it, and, yeah, that, it, and that's why I think it's such a slim possibility of it happening. Because absolutely, it, it's just, it, and I and I know we're just we're talking and throwing out ideas, but that's what we point, do. We spitball here, so no right. no problem there. I don't care who likes the idea or who doesn't like the idea, but if you think you want Arenado, that's the kind of deal that would have to come together for this to be done. Yeah, and I want to go back for a second, too, because, you know, his contract only runs through his age 35 season, I believe. So that's that's not as bad as I was thinking. You know, he can obviously still be a good player uh, into his mid-30s, as we've seen from Josh Donaldson already. But, you know, there's also that, that opt-out that he has after 2021. That would have to be renegotiated or, or something would have to be done before any team would, would trade for him. Uh, I certainly think it's an impossible deal. I think the news, as you mentioned down earlier this week, of maybe some internal fighting may make it more of a possibility. But I still think it's 
it's pretty unlikely to happen, but you know, never say never. And uh, if Fantopolis wants to get it done, and again, what Fred was talking about earlier, he has the resources to to get anything done if if he wants to. So, well, um, again, the the idea that he's got this aversion to high dollars and perhaps an aversion to longer term deals, maybe or maybe not. I mean, obviously, we got a couple of them with Acuna and uh, Albies, uh, so he, that's obviously not absolute. But the dollars are are probably the biggest thing they'd be worried about. But if you look at that compared to even just the sixty million that you're going to have off the books next year. That's looking a little better. Yeah, and it depends on what we're talking about going forward with payroll, right? Because, I mean, if we're suddenly looking at a team that's sitting around 160, 180 million a year, then yeah, I mean, then, then, you know, we're just so used to not that not being the case for the Braves that we're thinking, you know, it's impossible for them to do this. But, you know, if that's the new normal going forward, then why not? Um, yeah. I mean, because you, you think about it, you know, they're going to have to extend. Freddie Freeman soon. He's probably going to want 25, 27 a year. So if you were to trade for Arenado, I mean, my math's not great here, but you're looking at, you know, 50, 60 a year just for those two. What um, are you paying Freddie now? 22. Yeah. See, you're asking, you're talking about 4 million more than you got now. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah it's not, and, not a lot of difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I realize that, but if you bring on Arenado, what point I'm trying to make is that's 60 million and that's, that's a lot just for two players. Um, I, I get it's not, not a big difference from what Freddie's making now, but I'm just saying if they were to trade for Arenado, you know, that's a big chunk of your payroll for two players. And I'm, again, if we're talking about the old normal for the Braves, what we're used to, that's not something we're used to them doing. But, you know, if that's changing going forward, then again, why not? Why yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, that that's why this is highly unlikely. Yeah, I mean, that that gets admitted right up front. Yes, Arenado's numbers come down a little bit in 2025, 2026, drops to 32 and then 27 million. But I mean, still, we're, we're talking the rarefied error that most most teams don't get, don't get into. And the Braves certainly never have gotten into except that he keeps making this point that he can do anything he wants to. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and like I, I don't think, said, I don't think it's nearly as expensive in terms of prospects as you do. I mean, I, I, I think that first of all, British is, is an idiot. Okay. This is not the first time he's done this. He did this to Tulowitzki before when, when they signed Tulowitzki, don't worry, we're going to go out. We're going to spend money. We're going to put players around you. And they didn't. Yep. Tulo got get- upset. Tulo got upset. All of a sudden, he's traded. Now I know he was injured, but when he signed the contract, he wasn't. And, and guess which general manager picked him up? Yes, yes, I do. And, and <laughs> the thing about this is that what well, the point I'm making about Bridges is this is not the first time he and Momford have done this. And there's a I was reading the Denver Post. the The beat reporter for the Denver Post says that said something to the effect that I I wrote it in my Cora answer, but something to the effect of if this is really the case, it's not, it's not unusual for a superstar to be upset, and he's probably not the only one in the clubhouse. Ooh. So if he's not the only one in the clubhouse... Then trade us John what, Gray, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, no, look, I the first thing is if, if Momford's not controlling this dog and pony show, then he's got to fire Bridge. If he is controlling this dog and pony show, sure, send me John Gray along. Okay. I'll send you, they, they want to get a win. Okay. They want to get a win out there. And if they want to get a win, they want somebody, they can say, Hey, we got this guy here. We got this, this guy. So you, you give them that guy, you give them Ian Anderson. If you want to give me an Anderson give me an Anderson, if they want Riley, you give them Riley. Okay. But you got to have a name on top of that. That makes it after that. It's not nearly as expensive as you want, as, as you, as you will. Uh, want it to be in terms of prospects because you can quickly bring that money down. It, you can send, send green along and, and all that and get more back. You can move this, shuffle these cards around because I don't think 20 million more hurts us this year. I think for the right guy, you can do it. Now I'm not saying they're going to do this. First of all, it's late in the, late in the day to be doing it. Second of all, there's a lot of moving parts around here. And third, I'm getting the impression people don't like to deal with, with British. But we did bring out the point that AA has dealt with him before and been yep. successful in that. Shuffled off Jose Reyes. I beat my wife. Sent him to sent him to Colorado and took Tulo back. And that was a good deal. I mean, it, 
to the turf killed Tulo's knees, but that was a good deal for uh, for Toronto because they moved Reyes out of sight. It's doable, and it's the kind of thing that well, you wake up one morning and it's done. And you go, how the hell did that happen? Mm-hmm. And you know what I I told you all earlier. I sat here last night talking to myself, saying it's a crime if you don't make this team whole. It's a crime if you don't make this team whole. If you really think that Riley's going to make this team whole, then that's fine. I that's fine. I can't disagree with that. I think Riley's got a ton of talent. I don't think he's Nolan Arenado. Okay, but if you feel that he's going to do it, then stick with your man. Put him out there. I'm not going to argue with that at all. At the same time, if you don't feel he's going to do it or he's not going to do it this year and next year, what are you doing? Because this team is ready now, and you can start a dynasty now with the right person in the right place, and you don't have to give them 16 prospects to do it. You don't have to do that. And that's how come I was talking about the idea of you have that core of Albies, Acuna, and then you would add Arenado, who'd be there for a number of years, and Freeman still hanging around. You've got guys to build around. You I wouldn't guys send Pache along, though. I wouldn't send Pache along. Waters they can have. Like Pache, no. He's going to play center field for me if yeah. he's as good as everybody says he is. I would like to send Enciarte. I don't know if they'd take him, but I, I, I'd like to send him. Well, I think they would take him. I don't. I, it's not a question of because uh, he would he would make their center field better. And right now they don't have one, and he would make their center field better, and that's fine. You know, for for a return, I wrote somewhere I was catching Dickens on the site today because I said, you know, keeping Enciarte smarter than keeping Duval, and then thirty eight people told me I was strong. But the, the thing about trading Enciarte is he's probably the top six or seven, five or six center fielders in baseball today. And you don't give that away for nothing. If Colorado wants him and they will make the deal, put him on a plane. But because I'm not married to any of these guys, I just put him on a plane, but don't give him away for two prospects that are going to double a ball and he's out of sight and we save $7 million. That's dumb. And meanwhile, Duvall Duvall was thrown into the minor leagues to get his swings fixed up. And of course it did get fixed up, but I mean, is the, are the Braves the best team for his skills? Probably not. Well, he's not going to get any at bat. So he's projected like 170 PA maximum, 160 PA maximum. And that's because they expect him to be in a straight platoon. If, if he was to play every day or play most of the day, that would be fine, except we're going to post play mostly right-handed pitchers, as you said, and that's not going to be good for him. He needs to face left-handed batting or left-handed pitching as a right-handed batter. And that's not going to happen in Atlanta. Yeah. So bottom line is, I don't care if it's Arenado, I don't care if it's Mike Clevenger, I'd love for either one of these guys, or some other impact guy. But I do think that the the resources are there, I think the timing is right, I think this window is wide open for this team to do something, they need to get greedy, they need to make one big deal, and it's time to do it. Yeah, you got to make the team whole. Uh, it has to be a game changer, okay? It can't be, hey, you know, he's really a good pitcher. You can't right. go out and say, oh, you know, John Gray's going to, no, that's not going to work. It needs to be a game change. It needs to be come in and says, fellas, I'm here, jump on the back. We're here. And that's the kind of guy that, that, that you need to move in here. I know you don't think Arenado's going to hit like that. I personally think he'll go come, come down off the mountain and continue to hit just like he is. I, I You know, he's probably going to hit 1,000 OPS, but he'll be a 900 OPS guy. Because that going back and forth from altitude to low altitude does your body no good at all. Agreed. So I, even if he's an 850 OPS guy, how can you complain about that? No, yeah, really, he can't, especially when you already got a guy who can do that 800 or more with Ozuna. Your lineup would be stacked then. You'd have Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Ozuna, Arenado perhaps behind him, then Darno, and then the rest. So, yeah, it's it's a long and, and deep lineup that you got no place to hide from. Yep. All right. Well, here I was trying to not get my hopes up, and now you two have got me dreaming about Arenado coming. So yeah, it ain't uh, happening, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't tell me that now. You can't build me up like that. I can. I, I, I'm good at busting happened. bubbles. I can do a little bit. Uh, we'll see. I, I agree. I think we're all on the same page. There's still a, another big move out there to be had that, that needs to be made. I'm still of the opinion that it probably comes during the season and, and not before the season starts. You know, the only three names, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about all three of them, but the only three names I'd really want them to go after that we know to be available are, are Brian or Arenado or Clevenger. Those are the only three names out there that moves that they can make that would really just wow me. 
um, at this point. Again, of guys that we know to possibly be available. But we'll see over time. Again, it is it is good to hear Antopoulos say that he has the resources and has the ability to go get, uh, you know, who basically whoever he wants of whoever's available. So uh, I think that's going to happen at some point. You know, as I said earlier, we've yet to see him make a trade, a big prospect trade. You got to think it's going to happen at some point. And as you both alluded to, you know, now's the time this team's ready to win. They're ready to contend for not just NL East titles, but but World Series titles. So again, at some point, he's going to have to to trade some of those prospects and and make a big move. And I think it's going to happen before July 31st. So all right, anything else y'all want to talk about? Oh, I monopolized too much, so I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm I think done. we I think we've rambled on here. Um, so that does it for uh, this uh, episode eight of the Tomahawk Take podcast. We do appreciate uh, you tuning in to listen. Make sure you subscribe uh, to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week. This conspiracy-filled 2020 edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, now a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are strictly those of their participants. All rights reserved. Music used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0 and feature selections by Kevin McLeod entitled Open Those Bright Eyes Hard Boiled Spy Class and Break Time His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io Thanks for listening today and may all of your trades be blockbusters time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.